All right. If you have your Bible, you can be turned into John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I hesitate to tell you this because I don't want you to think I argue with the Lord because I don't. He's, he's smarter than I am. I might disagree sometimes and don't see what he's doing, but uh, we were sitting in staff meeting, I guess it was Monday, I think it was, and the pastor said, you know, I'm going to be out of town. And so the Holy, Holy Spirit said you know, to me, you know, you're going to be preaching Sunday morning, so, and this is what I want you to preach. So obviously that was before I got the schedule text out by pastor. So I knew uh, <laughs> when pastor let me know that I would be speaking, obviously the Holy Spirit already told me and, and told me what to preach. And so sitting in there in his office, I said, you know, Lord, uh, you know, I've already preached that sermon before. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, uh, but it was, you know, to teenagers uh, in, in Alabama, not here. And uh, then I said, Lord, but there's, there's 13 that were there uh, that Monday night when I preached it. So those 13, they've already heard it. He said, I don't care. They're going to hear it again. And then I was like, well, you know, Lord, those were kind of personal illustrations that you had me share with those teenagers. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I want to share those with the adults of our church. He said, I don't care. You're going to preach it. So uh, anyway, we, we had a back and forth. He won. And, uh, and so I'm going to preach this to you this morning. I did actually preach it, uh, you know, Monday night of uh, Three Notch Baptist Camp over in Alabama. Uh, I don't even know how long ago that was. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it, the title of it, if you're writing anything down, and for the uh, sound guys up there, three most important decisions you'll ever make. <clears throat> three most important decisions you'll ever make. And I think everybody, if I ask, you know, what is the most important decision you'll ever make? I believe since it's church, uh, you know, it, not the type of car you drive or uh, not, not the type of your favorite food or anything. You know, what am I going to eat today? No, no. I think it would be your salvation at church, okay? And uh, obviously, Dr. Farber talked about that this morning in Sunday school. And so it is the most important decision you'll ever make, and that's your salvation. And, of course, uh, you know, I've heard the little songs, you know, it was on a Sunday, and everybody stands up if you got saved on a Sunday, and it was on Monday, and things like that. So, of course, I want to uh, tell you why we should be saved here according to the Bible, and then I'll share with you my salvation testimony. And I hope you reflect on yours. And uh, the thing is, as I'm telling you about mine and you're reflecting on yours and you're like, I don't have one. Uh, I don't have a salvation testimony. Uh, we want you to have one before you leave today. All right. Because it is the most important decision you'll ever make. Uh, again, I, I like food. Uh, and, you know, you know that's, that's, that's what husbands and wife, I won't say fight or argue because we don't, we don't do that. Right. Uh, we would, disagreements. You know, where you want to go to eat. All right. I've, now I've made a rule in my house. I don't care. All right. Uh, I like food. You just decide. Food is your department. Uh, why? Because I know it's gonna. I don't care. What do you? What do you feel like? I don't know. What do you feel like? And you're ah. Right. And I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm fixing to pull off this exit right here. And <laughs> whether you know whether you like something on here or not, we're gonna you know because I don't. I want her to be happy, and I'll eat anything. All right. And uh, so anyway, I, I know you never have those discussions, right? All right, y'all are all spiritual, and you know, no, dear, whatever you would like. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but the most important decision you'll ever make is your salvation. And of course, a decision is an act or a process of deciding. Uh, you know, in other words, you, you put thought into it. Uh, and of course, Dr. Farber alluded to his salvation this morning when he was in Sunday school for the first time. Uh, and that was when he was faced 
with that decision. He had to make that decision. And so I'm sure his mind was processing. I don't want to go to hell. Uh, if Jesus did that for me, I, I'm, I'm okay with that, things like that. And so I remember hit, getting hit with that uh, my first time. And so it was that act of processing or deciding or determination that you've arrived after consideration uh, or a conclusion that you've come to. And so we're in John chapter 6, or I'm sorry, John chapter 3, verse 7. And of course, this, young, this man was faced with that decision. And John 3, 7 says this, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. It kind of confused him, being born again. Now, obviously, if you've been in church a long time, you know the vernacular that's used there. You know what it means. Uh, but if you hear that for the first time, it would be confusing. Uh, and Nicodemus was like, I don't get it. Uh, I, d I don't understand that. And, of course, I've heard preachers say, you know, if you're born uh, uh, twice, you'll only die once. Uh, but if you're only born once, you'll die twice. Uh, again, I remember the first time hearing that. That didn't make sense to me. Uh, and so, uh, but it is very, very, very important that you be saved. Why? We're going to look at three reasons why. Number one, because there is a hell. Uh, you can either turn to these verses, most of them are in, in the book of Revelation, or I'll just read them to you. Uh, in Revelation 2, verse 11, it says, Hear that, or he, I'm sorry, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And so it's right there in the Bible. Uh, there is a thing called, called the second death. And it is way worse than the first one. Especially if you're not saved. Uh, and so it also in Revelation verse 20 verse 6. The first part of it. It says here. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. And so of course when I started hearing about these first death, second death, things like that. I had no clue. Now I get excited when I read that verse. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm taken care of. Uh, and so when and death and hell think they might, gonna get, you might get me when I pass away, mm -mm. God's like, nope, this one's paid for. Uh, this one's mine. Uh, get on out of here. So that second death hath no power uh, over me. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 14, it says here, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And I am looking forward to that day. Uh, when and Satan and death and hell has no more uh, power over anybody. Revelation 21, verse 8. It says here, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars. So if any of those other ones didn't hit you, that one I'm sure did. Uh, all liars shall have part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so the, the, the reason that salvation is the most important decision you'll ever make is because there's a hell. Uh, and it's real. Uh, it's not fictitious. It's not made up. Uh, according to the Bible, it was created for the devil and his angels. Now, unfortunately, it says in the Bible also that it has to be enlarged daily. Uh, because people, when they're faced with this decision, they decide the wrong way. And so they have to, uh, the Bible says that hell has to be enlarged every day. Uh, number two reason why it's the most important decision you'll ever make is because God said so. Now, we've all been told that. And I know if you'd admit it, I didn't like hearing that when I was growing up. Uh, you know, eat your vegetables. Why? I don't like them. Because I said so. Uh, you know, go clean your room. Uh, it looks fine to me just like it is. I don't care. Go clean your room. Why? Because I said so. Uh, do your homework. Oh. Why? Because I said so. All right. Uh, my parents got to say that to me. And, of course, I carried on the tradition because I said so. All right. Uh, so we all have either said it or had it said to us. But the Bible says 
God said so. Uh, I mean, he's the supreme. Okay? Uh, obviously, I don't want to go, or I don't want to not be saved because I don't want to go to hell. But secondly, I want to obey God. God said uh, to get saved. 2 Corinthians 6.2, For thus saith, or for, for he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So a while ago when we were talking about our test salvation testimony, and it came across your mind that you don't have one, God says today's today. Uh, today's what God says he wants you to be saved. So if there's anybody here today that is not saved, God says you're supposed to get saved today. Why? Because it's accepted time. Proverbs 27.1, boast not thyself tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. It says, boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Uh, you may die on the way home in an accident. Uh, your heart may just stop pumping or you may just stop breathing. Uh, we're not promised to tomorrow. So why should we be saved? Number one, because there's a hell. Number two, because God said so. Number three, because you may miss your opportunity. Uh, again, I, I've had those before. My mom said it's supper time, you know, and I was doing something important. You know, like I'm not, it wasn't homework. But anyway, I was doing something important and didn't come. And so she cleaned up and I come in, I'm ready for supper too late. Well, did you put it in the refrigerator? Well, I might have, but, you know, it's supper time. You missed it. Ooh, all right. Uh, you know, you might miss your opportunity. Uh, and the Bible says that God's spirit will not always strive with man. So that's why he says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time because he knows that the Holy Spirit will not always strive and give you opportunity. Uh, I remember the first time I heard about salvation and that I needed it. Uh, and, and I grabbed a hold of the back of that pew. And my heart was pounding out of my chest. I didn't know what was going on. Now I know the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was drawing me. All right? And that has to happen or you can't get saved. So all these Igmo churches today says, check the box. That's not the ticket. All right? That's not how you get it done. All right? If the Holy Spirit's not drawing, it don't matter how many boxes you check. You're not going to heaven. All right? I, I, I'm, just, I'm deciding for Christ today. Garbage. Okay? The Holy Spirit has to draw or you cannot be saved. Okay? I mean, it goes on talks about how that's the incorruptible seed. That has to be there. The Holy Spirit has to be there. Both those things have to germinate and create new birth inside of me. All right? Not checking a box, not getting a t-shirt, not deciding for Christ. That's all junk, garbage. All right? uh, but the Bible says here that we might miss our opportunity. Uh, Genesis 6.3 first part of it and the lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man so god said right there and of course according to the bible there's two types two times where the spirit will strive with you number one it's drawing john 6 44 no man uh, can come except my father which sent me draw him it says right there nobody can come unless my my father draw him uh, so he's drawing uh, so we see here uh, in John 12:32 and if i be lifted up from the earth i will draw all men unto me so we see that the holy spirit will draw or strive with that person if the person's not saved all of us in here again those of us that were hard headed uh, I, I did get saved the first time i heard brother farber said he got saved the first time i heard i'm sure there's some of you out there that wasn't the first time uh, you know, you, you held on to that pew, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, and you left. And then the next time you came back, okay? Uh, so I'm sure you thank God for him continuing to draw. But the Bible indicates that that stops sometimes. Now, I don't know when it is. Uh, praise the Lord for his mercy. 
but I did hear an illustration Dr. Lee Robertson used to tell when he would talk about today's the day and you should be saved as soon as you understand. Uh, there was a young girl that in his church, uh, she had gotten to the age of eight years old. Uh, that's strange if you grow up in church uh, to get that far uh, and not get saved. Uh, because that childlike faith starts happening at four and five years old, and that drawing starts happening. Uh, but she had resisted it for some reason. And so he, he remembered begging her in the altar to get saved, eight years old. And she said, no, I can't do, I can't do that today. Uh, and he heard that they were in a car accident on the way home. And so uh, he got word, went to the accident. She was trapped in the car. The car was on fire, and he was begging her to get saved, and she would not. So I don't, I don't know. So I have heard of illustrations of when maybe that drawing stops. I wouldn't want to take a chance uh, of that drawing stopping. Uh, so the first time you get, today is the day at salvation. Behold, uh, it's, it's an accepted time. Now we see here also the second way that the, the, the Holy Spirit will strive with us uh, was when he's convicting us. Uh, and again, the first time the Holy Spirit convicts you on something, get right about it. Okay. Uh, again, I remember being stubborn when I was growing up and doing something, and I'd get a spanking for it, and I'd get a worse spanking, and I would get a worse spanking. It kept getting worse. And finally, I would get the, the, the hint. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit will convict. James 1.15 says this, And then when lust is conceived, and it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Uh, so that, that, that striving will stop. Uh, Romans 1.28 and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. So according to the Bible, God will say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm finished convicting. There you are. Reprobate mind. Do what you want. Uh, and the Bible even says that they, they live like they never got saved. Uh, and so uh, it's important that we get saved. Now, uh, we see here, I'll give you my salvation testimony now. Uh, I was saved when I was 10 years old, and I had been to church maybe three or four times before, I was, before the age of 10, uh, that C&E thing with my grandmother, all right? I think I went a couple times on Christmas, a couple times to go hunt some Easter eggs, uh, but that was the only time that I had ever been in church before I was 10 years old. Never heard about salvation, never heard what Jesus had done for me. So I went uh, the first time at 10 years old. Now, there were some things that led up to that. Uh, I don't know if I have a great memory. My wife says I do. Uh, I can remember people's names, events, things like that. But I, I remember things back when I was really, really young. Now, I don't know if it was because of pictures, all right, looking through them, things like that, put it in there, or if I actually remember the event. But there's a few things uh, that I remember of my early, early, early childhood. And some of them I'm not proud of. Uh, I'm just going to tell you them so I could share this with you. I guess one of the earliest memories I have is carrying down the hallway a can of beer. As a little bitty kid. I mean little bitty. I can't even remember how young I was, but I was carrying a, a, a can of beer down the, down the hallway because my dad had asked me to go get him one. And I remember he, that he liked salt on it, so I put salt on it. And I remember going down through there a couple times, and then I remember that I don't know how many times it was that I took a sip. So I can't say that these lips have never tasted alcohol. And it happened when I was a little bitty kid. If you have the testimony that you can say, I've never taken alcohol, that's the one you want. And that's the one you need. I don't have that one. But that was one of the earliest memories that I had as a little boy. 
Another one, I remember sitting in my mom's car, in my car seat, having to lean forward to see my dad sitting in a cop car right next to us, handcuffed on in the back seat. Little bitty kid. Remember the lights flashing? Remember my dad sitting there. Why is my dad in a cop car? Little bitty kid, car seat. I mean, I don't, you know, back then when I was, I don't know why I was in the car seat. Usually you sit on the little hump in the front, right? Right by your parents. Car seat, who needs car seat? But anyway, I was in it for some reason, I guess because the cops were there. Uh, but anyway, uh, I remember looking, what in the world? And uh, again, he used to go to those places and drink and uh, play pool and gamble. And uh, I guess he had beat these two brothers all night long and took all their money. And they decided to gang up on him and take their money back. Bad decision. Uh, uh, he won. Uh, he took his pool stick apart and uh, uh, let them have it. But anyway, he, I remember that as a little kid. My third and final memory, or I guess I'll give you this one. I remember laying in the bed and having to put my pillow over my ears. So I wouldn't hear my parents screaming at each other. You know, they were 17 and 18 when they had me, kids having kids, you know. And they weren't in church. But I remember that. Just put my pillow over my ear. Wish they would stop screaming. And another memory I had when I was a young kid was riding my dad's truck behind an ambulance and hearing my dad say, God, if you'll let him live, I'll go back to church. See, because my dad was raised in church, but not in our lifetime. And my brother got ran over in our driveway, and we were following the ambulance to Atlanta. And I could hear my dad say, God, if you'll let him live, I'll go back to church. He didn't. He's in heaven now. But I, those were four vivid memories I had. So that fifth memory, and it's a lot more exciting is we went to Calvary Baptist Church in 1977 on a Sunday morning. First time I'd ever been to a Baptist church. And they talked about John the Baptist. And they talked about salvation. And for the first time, as a 10-year-old boy, I heard that Jesus loved me. I learned that he died on the cross to pay for my sins. And if I would just ask him, he would save me. I'm excited about that one. So, most important decision that I ever made, made it when I was 10 years old. How old were you? Do you have one? If you don't, I'd get one today. Now, biblically speaking, this is the second most important decision you'll ever make. If you listen to the world's philosophy, mm -mm. the second most important decision, sometimes the world will tell you is who you marry. But nowadays, you know, they, they shack up. They just skip that process. Uh, they have one, I don't like her, I don't like him anymore, and they'll swap out, you know. Uh, there's probably a website now where you can trade each other out and things like that, you know, like baseball cards or whatever. This world is whacked, all right? So, but it's not who you marry. Because according to the Bible, the Bible says we won't be married or be given in marriage in heaven. I can't wrap my brain around it because that's so low as well ago. She's pretty important to me. But the Bible says the second most important decision you'll ever make is surrendering your life to the will of God. Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So more important than who you marry 
is you surrendering your life to the will of God. Now, the world doesn't understand that. They don't get it, but it says it right there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then the wife or the husband or the career or whatever you're supposed to do will be added. But God's supposed to be first. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 2 Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore, come out, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we see here, the second most important decision you'll ever make is surrendering your life to the will of God. Now you say, well, that's for preachers, or that's for preachers' wives. It is, but it's for everybody. Uh, we're supposed to surrender. Uh, you look in the Old Testament. They that did that which was right in their own eyes, trouble. But they that just surrendered their will to God and did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, blessing. It's, it's the second most important decision you'll make. Uh, I, I love serving God. I love having my life surrendered to Him. Why? Because He's going to take care of me. He's going to bless me. Uh, I don't have to worry about things. Uh, he's going to take care of it. If I need it, He'll add it. If I don't need it, He'll subtract it. Just surrender to Him and live that way. Uh, I, I will tell you my surrendering testimony now. At this point in my life, I was, I was trying to do the two different lifestyle things. Uh, you know, because we did go to church when I was 10, got saved. Uh, we moved, and just like when you move, it's hard to find that church. We visited around, looking, 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 never found it, and drifted right back out of church. Uh, and so then at 17, we found, praise God, the first independent Baptist church that I ever went to. Uh, thank the Lord the first one told me about how to get saved, but the other one told me about everything else. Amen. Uh, but anyway, I was sitting there in that church, and they were uh, our pastor was preaching, you know, to stop this and cut this off and get rid of that and things like that. And boy, I mean, it was like that finger was like every service. Why? Because I needed to cut this. All right. Uh, I don't have much of it now, but I had a whole lot back then. All right. Uh, it was curly and long and flowy, and you know some of you women would be je jealous of it. But anyway, <laughs> but when he said you need to cut that, <laughs> all right, and, uh, you know, oh goodness. Uh, but he, I mean, he nailed me every Sunday. And the Bible says Matthew six twenty four: No man can serve two masters. I was trying. I was trying to do my own thing, serve the world, serve my so-called friends, be cool, all that kind of stuff. But God had different plans. So uh, one time I went to a uh, youth activity uh, with my girlfriend's church. All right. And uh, so we were there, and my dad said, now, I'll come pick you up. So I said, okay. So we get there, and kind of like some of you yesterday, I was the last one to get picked up from the activity. So. All right. And so my girlfriend's sister had come to pick her up, and she said, we'll just take you home. I was like, all right, jumped in. So my dad had a, a, a two-way radio in his truck, so he sat there, and when I got home, he made my mom tell me to call him on that radio. So I said, call him. He said, where are you at? I was like, I'm at home. He said, I told you to wait on me at the church. I was like, well, you know, I was the last one there. The youth director wanted to go home. He said, well, how would you get home? Uh, youth director brought me home. Okay. See you in a minute. Whew. But I remember passing. I mean, I got in the floorboard. Okay. And I said, he didn't see me. I was wrong. 
He got home, he says, come down here to the garage with me. And anytime we had to go to the garage, it was so mom wouldn't hear what was going on. Okay, and so I knew I was dead. So he goes down there, I'm standing in the garage, he takes this piece of rough cut lumber, you know, one by 12 or whatever, and he starts cutting on it. He made a paddle right there in front of me. Because I'm, you know, I'm 17 years old and still lying to my dad. You know, most people learn that at a four not to do that, hopefully. But anyway, he's making a paddle, and he tore me up. And, uh, you know, like you said, those nerve endings are still cauterized, amen? Uh, but anyway, he, he tore me up. So, obviously, I lived. I'm here. Uh, but anyway, a couple months later, I'd been hearing that preaching, get right, cut this, change this, don't wear that, don't talk like that, things like that. But, you know, I was cool. I was popular, right? Uh, I was hanging out with all my my my. My boys, as they say today, my homies and all that kind of stuff. But goodness gracious. So I was trying, you know, like some of you are still trying uh, to, to do that. Just do what God wants you to do and not have to go through this. But anyway, my dad caught me again. Uh, we were at a campsite, me and some guys, and he found, obviously, alcohol in the cooler. And he says, follow me home and go to the garage. <laughs> so I'm having, you know, it seemed like it was probably a 30 minute drive. It seemed like, you know, two minutes because uh, it went by too fast. But anyway, we go down to the garage. And so I'm expecting to get killed again. The paddle was still down there. I tried to hide it two or three times, but he kept finding it. Uh, but anyway, so I get down to the garage and he turns around. He's crying. And uh, I'd never seen my dad cry before. And uh, see, because he'd been listening to the preacher at the church. And he did cut and change and dress and talk, and he was growing. He wasn't trying to do both. And so he says, you're going to get something tonight you're not expecting. And I didn't see the paddle, so I was cool with that. He said, get on your knees. I said, oh, no. <laughs> He's going to shoot me. <laughs> Boom. I mean, I'm done. So, so here I go. I go down to my knees. And uh, so he gets on his knees and starts praying. He's crying, God, I've tried everything. I've tried loving him. I've tried helping him have a good life. I've tried spanking. I've tried talking. I've tried chewing. I've tried everything. And he's still doing wrong. So the only thing I know to do is to give him to you. He's yours. I'm through. He stood up. He said, you can go back if you want to. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Jumped in that truck. I was gone. So, again, kept hearing the preaching, kept hearing the preaching, kept hearing the preaching. Surrender. Do right. Do what God wants you to do. Yeah. So, I was fishtailing down this dirt road, me and some buddies, man, we were having a great time. I was whipping it back and forth in this truck that I loved. And I fell off in the ditch and hit the front left corner. I mean, wrinkled it bad. And the Holy Spirit said, you better stop. You better listen to your preacher. You better listen to your dad. Kept on going, got that fixed. A couple months later, preacher was still preaching. Dad was still praying. I fell into this bit deep trench in that same truck, dented the whole left side of it, and the Holy Spirit said, you better stop. Got that fixed, kept going. We were out again one night. I was cutting donuts in this field and went off the edge of the road and hit a concrete culvert. Truck stood up on the nose. All four of us went about halfway through the windshield. And I mean, it was real as I am here today. The Holy Spirit said, you better stop. 
I'm going to let this truck flip over and kill you right here. And I was like, yes, sir. And the hair got cut. And the necklace went off. And the cussing stopped. And the going to places I shouldn't go stopped. The back talk of my parents stopped. Everything you can imagine stopped. I surrendered my life to God. So that was my second most important decision I'll ever make. I didn't take it back. Some of you are good at that. You'll come down here and you'll give it to him for a little while, but then this video game will come out or this, this kind of talking will come out or this place will come out and you go right back. God's got a way of stopping you. Right? I mean, I love that truck more than I love myself. I finally traded it in. Oh, damn it. <laughs> the Carfax on that would have been rough. Got rid of it. Surrendered my life. That was my second most decision in my life. Now, I chose God over everything. Those so-called friends. I mean, I, I tried to think one time about, I mean, I had a lot of friends. You know, that was cool. You know how many of them called me since I graduated from high school? One. And I led him to the Lord. That's why he called. They were my friends, right? They had my back. We were tight. They don't care about me. I wouldn't choose God. Choose your friends over God. Uh, obviously, I could go for hours. I had to choose God over sports. Chose him over money. I chose him over position. Chose him over girls. Second most important decision you'll ever make is surrendering your life, your will to God. Thirdly, serving God with your life. Again, you said a while ago, that's for preachers. Yeah, it is, but all of us are supposed to serve God. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, go ye, all of us are commanded, and preach the gospel. Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me. Romans 14, 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and when we do, it's not going to be given an account for who you married. It's not going to give an account for what career you chose. It's not going to be given an account for anything except what you did to serve God. So uh, I, I appreciate a lot of men in, in our church. They, they do. They have a job. They have a career. And they use it to provide for their family, take care of their needs. But they serve God with their life. Bus captains, Sunday school teachers, soul winners. That's how it's supposed to be. So the third most important decision you'll ever make is how you choose to serve God. Uh, whether it's changing diapers in the nursery, that's serving God. That way they don't have to be changed out here. All right, That's a blessing. So you, you choose to serve God. Uh, so we see uh, my, my serving testimony. I was attending a youth meeting in, at Forest Hills Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And they had on the wall on this side, Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And I was, I was in that meeting, and this guy was up there preaching against rock music. And uh, I didn't have a problem with rock music. I grew up in Hickory Flat, Georgia. I don't even know if there were, was rock music in Hickory Flat, Georgia. Now, country music, if he's preaching against that, I'd had to get right. Amen? Some of y'all. Anyway, uh, but... Uh, you know, but he was playing, you know, backward stuff, backward masking, and, you know, Satan's 666, that's my number, and all this kind of stuff, and showing us how that that was hidden in the rock music. And I'm like, 
Ooh, that's weird. <laughs> All right. But I didn't have a problem with it. And I always say this, if they were playing country music backwards, you know, you'd get your dog back and your wife back and your truck back and, and your buddy back and all that stuff. That, that's hidden in there. Uh, but anyway, he wasn't doing that. So I'm just sitting there, and uh, I looked up, and so I'll go you in all the world and preach the gospel. And that same feeling when the Holy Spirit was drawing me that first time at 10 years old in the back of that church when I was holding on the pew, I had that same yearning. My heart was pounding out of my chest. I was having the Holy Spirit draw me, and I was like, Lord, you don't want me to preach. Uh, I'm just a dumb hick from Hickory Flat, Georgia. I, I mean, do you know the life I've tried to live? Do you know what I, you know, how I tried to get away from you, things like that? You do not want me to preach. So I looked on this side, and it was Isaiah 6.8. It says here, Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom shall go for us? And then said I, Here I am, send me. And the Holy Spirit said, That's what I want you to do. So I went down front. Again, I'd only been in church probably two years, maybe, at this time. And so I went down front. I was like, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, the only thing I know, and again, I didn't know about the fleece being dry and being wet and all that stuff. I didn't know any of those things. But I was like, the only way I know to do this, Lord, is if you'll, this was Saturday night, if you'll have Brother Edwards preach out of that verse, Mark 16, 15, or that verse right there, Isaiah 6, 8, in the morning at church, I'll know you're serious. Again, I don't, I don't advocate doing this, but I did. And uh, I got there Sunday morning. He didn't preach out of one of them. Both of them. <laughs> he read them both. So I went to the altar. Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you would want me. And uh, so I went to school the next morning, Monday morning. And the Holy Spirit's like, you need to go talk to your pastor. You know, that's a good thing when you're making a decision. Go talk to your pastor. Uh, not that you're dumb and you can't make a decision, but you want God's blessing on it. So I was like, okay, I'll, know, I'll make another deal with you, Lord. <laughs> uh, only time he ever came down to the learning center, we were in an ACE school, was if somebody was about to die. Okay, they'd been in trouble. And so he hadn't been down there that day. I was like, I'm going to put my flag up, and if you'll have pastor... Uh, come answer my flag, I'll go talk to him. I put it up, felt his hand on my shoulder, and I heard a deep voice. Mrs. Clue uh, was our learning center supervisor, and I knew it wasn't a lady. I was like, I think I need to talk to you. And so I told him what I just told you about the verses, about me putting my flag up, and you answered my flag. I don't know what's going on. I just want to be obedient. I want to do what God wants me to do. I told him that. He goes, ah! Forget about it. Go on back down to class. God's not calling you to preach. Okay. <laughs> I got about halfway to the door, and I couldn't go anymore. I was like, I can't go back. I feel like God wants me to be a preacher. I think God wants me to serve him with my life. I can't go back down there. He said, I was just checking. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> So that was 36 years ago. Third best decision I ever made in my life. Salvation was my first. Have you made that one? Surrendering my life to do whatever God wants, best place in the world to be, and then find some way to serve Him. Weed eat, change diapers, clean up, soul win, bust captain, whatever you have to do, find some way. Because that's what you're going to give an account for your time. Stewardship. 
So we see here, we must be born again. Kind of confuse Nicodemus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Might be confusing. Present ye your body a living sacrifice. I don't know how that could be confusing. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because you're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Three most important decisions you'll ever make. Your salvation decision, your surrendering decision, and your serving decision. Every head bowed, every eye closed.